Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. You see, friend, it really doesn't matter how bad things get in life for us. You can flee the troubles of your life into the presence of God in the heavenly Jerusalem. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled, The New Jerusalem and the Wife of the Lamb. That's the New Jerusalem and the Life of the Lamb. And don't forget, you can always find this message online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Hebrews 13, verse 10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the body of those animals whose blood is brought in the sanctuary by the high priest is a sacrifice for sin. Where are they burned? What does it say? Outside the camp. That's the altar of the red heifer. So Jesus also suffered where? Outside the gate, identifying it with the eastern gate in order to do what? To sanctify the people through his own blood. Verse 13. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. The book of Hebrews was very clearly in touch with the facts on the ground. That that is the only spot where you can see the veil of the temple rent from top to bottom. And it was seen when Jesus died. Now, if I had time, I would demonstrate to you from the book Desire of Ages, that's exactly where he died. But I don't have time, so I'm just going to tell you it exists. The Jewish historian Josephus, who saw in person the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., cites the records of signs and wonders that preceded the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. It was like a mini end of the world that was happening before the Romans destroyed the temple. He directly cites the fact that the Jews observed the Shekinah glory of God three and a half years before 70 A.D., leave the temple and go to the summit of the Mount of Olives and rest over the Mount of Olives. The early Christians who fled to Petra, which was that eastern safety zone to escape the Roman slaughter in 70 AD, they came back. And when they came back, they built a church. And guess where they built it? They built it near the place of the cave, which in their thinking was not just a cave. It was, in fact, the tomb of Joseph that was at the summit of the Mount of Olives. And there they built a church, not in the old city, at the summit of the Mount of Olives. And they knew it was the cave that was the tomb of Jesus, and so they looked for it. In fact, they taught their people that Zion would shift from the old Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. It would be the new Zion, the place of the new Jerusalem. They understood that the Mount of Olives is the new Zion. When the emperor Diocletian came to power in the early 4th century, he tore down that church at the top of the Mount of Olives, and as he burned one church after another with Christians in it, 303 to 313, the great persecutions. And so Jerusalem was trodden down by the Gentiles. The church was persecuted as Jesus had predicted. The prophet Daniel pointed to a holy of holies, a new Jerusalem, 
more holy than the old. And so the shift was occurring from the old Zion to a new Zion. You see, friend, it really doesn't matter how bad things get in life for us. You can flee the troubles of your life into the presence of God in the heavenly Jerusalem. Hebrews 12. Take your Bibles open. Hebrews 12, 22. The Bible says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to a judge who is God of all. And what does it say next? To the spirits of just men made perfect. And most importantly, in verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. New mountain, new sanctuary, the heavenly Zion, Christ is there. So really, no matter where we worship in the world, we are worshiping there in the presence of Jesus. As Christians, we have come to that dynamic heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem is a stronghold city that can keep us safe no matter what's happening in our lives. Friend, heaven suffers when the church on earth is suffering. When you're having a hard time, angels are concerned for you. The universe is watching. And the heavenly Jerusalem, no matter how great it is, believe it or not, it's not the new Jerusalem. It's the oldest Jerusalem. It goes back before the creation of this world. And the heavenly Jerusalem is where sin began. It's where Lucifer deceived a third of the angels. You see, that heavenly old Jerusalem, which is our mother in Scripture, must be supplanted by a new Jerusalem that will be formed in the investigative judgment at the end of time. Galatians 4.26, Paul identifies the heavenly Jerusalem in his day. Jerusalem above is free, and what does he say? She is our mother. She's not the wife of the Lamb. She's our mother. She must stand aside for a new Jerusalem. The angels who did not side with Lucifer will be in the new Jerusalem. But guess what? As Jesus confesses our names one name at a time, we will be in the new Jerusalem. So it will not be the old. It will be new. It will be angels and human beings coming together to be the final kingdom of God. And it will not just be a heavenly kingdom. The Bible says it will come to earth. It will be the kingdom of the world one day. The new Jerusalem. I don't know where you want to live. Anybody here want to live in a nice house in the new Jerusalem? Do you? Have you been planning how to build your nice house? Because it says we shall build. No contractors. Get your hammer and your nails out. You're going to build your own house. It's a great idea because I'm rebuilding my house after raising kids. And it's going to take a while. And it's fun. We're going to have our own home in the New Jerusalem. Luke 19, 11 and 12. Jesus tells us why it's so important. You see, Christ will not receive his kingdom on earth. He didn't go to heaven just hang around. He went to heaven to do something just before his return. He tells us in Luke 19. As they heard these things, he, Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem. And because they supposed that the king of God was to appear immediately, he said, therefore, and look at verse 12 very carefully. It's a watershed verse in your Bible. A nobleman went where? To a far off country. The nobleman is Christ. The far off country is heaven. For what purpose? To receive a kingdom and then return. Well, that's the judgment of Daniel 7 he's talking about. When the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days to receive His kingdom at the end of the four great world empires. See, Christ went to heaven to form His final kingdom in that pre-advent judgment and then to return with the New Jerusalem's citizens to take us to the city, which will eventually be here at the end of the millennium. The metaphor of Jesus receiving his kingdom is often likened to a marriage. In fact, the early Adventists understood that the judgment was the marriage. Very biblically sound thinking. 
Now, not an American marriage. How many of you got married at some point in your life? Raise your hand if you got married. your wife with you? You better like the one you got married to. You kind of stuck to her based on the Word of God. And you better be a good husband. Ladies, if he's not a good husband, tell the preacher. We'll get on him. Now look, this is not an American marriage where you get married at the altar, but a Jewish marriage in Palestine's day, in Jesus' day, when you marry your bride without her in your father's house. How would you like to do that? That's how they did it. You leave your bride at home, you go to your father's house. It was so romantic, it really was. Hear me out. There was a betrothal period when she got engaged, a hoopla, a white canopy, kind of like God leading the children of Israel through the desert with the pillar of fire and cloud. That was the betrothal to his people at Sinai. And during that time, the couple could be together, but the marriage would not yet be consummated. And then the time would come after a good spell of a year or so for the groom to leave his bride and go to his father's house. And there, without his bride at his side, he would be married to his bride in his father's house. That represents the investigative pre-advent judgment, the marriage of the Lamb. And when the marriage was over in his father's house, he would then return for his bride in public and joyful procession like the second coming and take her away, not like some secret rapture that doesn't fit the picture, and go right back to his father's house. You see, we're going to heaven when Jesus comes back. We're going to go where he's been for the last 2,000 years. And then the marriage supper would occur. It will be in heaven based on that picture. You see, a picture of a Jewish wedding is really the picture of prophecy. So Jesus went into a far-off land to receive His kingdom, to marry His people, to become one with them in the judgment just before the second coming. And when that is done, He will return. At the second coming, we're going to see the citizens of the New Jerusalem rise from the grave and angels take them to the Father and the Son. You know, Jerusalem will not stay in heaven forever. It will be there for a thousand years, the Bible teaches. But one day... At the end of the millennium, this new Jerusalem will come here. It will come down. God will open a wormhole in time and space, and He will tunnel this majestic city to this earth. It will descend through the atmosphere. It will rest on the Mount of Olives as the new Zion. You see, those early Christians were right, and they knew it. Jesus' feet will touch the Mount of Olives where Jesus' feet were pierced on the cross of Calvary. And the place where He died and where He shed His blood will become the center of the universe. Where He was blocked out from His Father's favor will be the throne of God and the Lamb. And forever and ever we will sit on that throne and we will learn the lessons of the plan of salvation. Zechariah 14.4 On that day... His feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies before Jerusalem on the east. It's speaking of Christ prophetically. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall withdraw northward and the other half southward. John saw it in clearer terms than this. Revelation 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now look at verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, doing what? What does it say in your Bible? Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. John saw the new Jerusalem coming down to earth. Now, where was he standing in vision when he saw this? It must be a mountain. If it's coming down, he's seeing it coming down. He's got to be where it's coming, right? Look at verse 9, Revelation 21. 
Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And in the Spirit, he carried me to a great high mountain. What's the highest mountain on earth? Is it Everest or Golgotha? You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. What's the highest mountain on earth? Is it Everest? Or Calvary. He took me to a great and high mountain. See, Jesus' feet will touch the Mount of Olives. Here he is in vision, looking up, not down. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. You see, where Christ died will become the place that is the center of the universe. The new heaven will be here where Jesus died. The new Zion, the new Jerusalem, those early Christians got it right. It will be the center of all things. The book of Revelation teaches us that Satan's followers will be resurrected at the end of the millennium when the new Jerusalem descends out of heaven from God. During the millennium, the world is a wasteland. The devil's here as angels, but there's no wicked on earth alive. Christ takes the righteous to heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb, but at the end of the millennium, the holy city comes down and the wicked get resurrected. Revelation 20 makes that very clear. Now look at Revelation 19.20. It says, The beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had worked signs. And you go down to verse 21, it says they were thrown alive in the lake of fire. The world comes to an end when Jesus comes back. And he says they were killed. The people on earth were killed. So in Revelation 21, the devil is captured at the second coming. After the wicked of the earth die, and the devil is imprisoned for a thousand years. Wouldn't you like to see that happen? You know, that great and mighty angel take the chain and whip it around the devil. You know, Jesus is sometimes portrayed as the angel of the Lord. Who do you think is going to bind him for the millennium? The powerful one who was the guardian protector of God's people in all ages. Now, there's no one left to tempt on earth as he is chained to the planet, the wasteland that he has created because of sin and evil. But God's people of the second coming are taken to his father's house for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the rest of the wicked are dead and they don't come to life until the thousand years are ended. So when the holy city comes down, evil comes up from the ground to attack it for the last time. It's a meeting of two eras of two worlds. It's a nexus. In Revelation 20, verse 7, when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be loosed from his prison, will come out to deceive the nations which are the four corners of the earth, that is Gog and Magog. It sounds like someone choking, doesn't it? To gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. Now notice what they attack in verse 9. And they marched up over the broad earth, surrounded the camp of the saints, and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven. Now you have a Bible, and so do I. What does it say? Consumed them. Now, when that consumes something, it gets eaten up. It's gone, right? Now, when something is consumed, it's the language of destruction. Now, there are many Christians today who believe that the devil lives on a place called hell with the help of God forever and ever and ever as he suffers for all time. Have you ever heard that view? Have you heard the view? Does it bother you a little bit? Maybe not for the devil, but if other people are there, wouldn't it bother you if your uncle or nephew or son was there? Would it bother you for the endless ages of eternity if that was the case? 
bother me. And they base this false idea, because the Bible doesn't teach this, on the very next verse. Look at Revelation 20, verse 10, a very difficult verse, by reading the verse out of context. Now look at verse 10. Read it with me. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they'll be tormented how long? What does it say? Read it clearly. Day and night, forever and ever. Have you ever heard Bible evangelists say, well, forever doesn't mean forever? You ever hear them say that? It's not true. Forever means forever. This very usage of the Greek language means into the age of the ages. It doesn't mean anything but forever. See, I got your attention now. Yeah. It appears from this verse that Satan, the beast, and the false prophet will be tormented forever and ever and ever and ever, day and night. Does it not? Be honest with me. Let's not run from a verse's clear reading here. Now let me help you with it, because we need to understand the context of this verse. Let's put our thinking caps on and really zero in. In the Greek language, the Koine Greek, time is expressed in three ways with nouns through the use of three case endings in the Greek. And I want to walk you through it very carefully. Now look, the locative case ending describes time as a point in time in the Greek. Locative, like a location. You with me? So if it's a locative, it's a point in time. The accusative case ending in Greek describes time as the duration of time. So if you want to describe something as forever and ever, you're going to use an accusative use for time in Greek. But there's another case that's used for time. The genitive case describes the kind of time or the quality of time. Now, the use of day and night in the Greek in Revelation 20.10 is not a locative case, so it's not a point in time. It's not an accusative case, which would describe a duration of time. It is, in fact, the genitive of time. It's the kind or quality of time that's being described here. So what the Bible is saying is, so long as day and night kind of time lasts, the devil is going to suffer forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what the Greek is getting at. Do you hear me? So there's only one way to get rid of the devil, to get rid of evil, and to get rid of suffering. It's to end the old order of day and night kind of time. It's to bring it to a crashing end and stop the old age of evil. Because in Revelation 20 verse 10, the fire lasts as long as there is day and night kind of time. Turn with me to Genesis 8, 22. You should circle this verse, directly link it to Revelation 20 to understand what's going on here. Now, God gave us the key to this in the book of Genesis, so we would link it with the book of Revelation. Notice what it says. While the earth remains. Now, how many of you are standing or sitting on a chair on planet earth right now? Are you? It's still here. Let's test the veracity of this verse. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Did we have seed time and harvest this year? Yeah. Cold and heat. Did we have cold this winter? Summer's coming. We're going to have some heat. Summer and winter. Now notice what else it says. Day and night shall not cease. So day and night lasts how long according to Genesis 8.22? As long as the earth remains. Day and night kind of time is what we're living in. Revelation 20 verse 11. So the only way to get rid of day and night kind of time is for the old earth to pass away. Right? Because as long as the earth remains, day and night kind of time remains. Now look at Revelation 20, verse 11. The verse that follows Revelation 20, verse 10. Context matters. Then I saw a great white throne. You see the judgment, the final executive judgment of God at the end of the millennium. The wicked have been resurrected. They stand before the tribunal of God. Out of the Lamb's book of life, they stand naked before God with no righteousness. 
I saw a great white throne, and the Greek is really bright, lukos. God's throne, in terms of color, is sapphire. Ezekiel 1.26 and other verses in the Bible, it was made to look like the sapphire throne of God. That's why he painted it sapphire. But the Greek word here is lukos. It means brilliant, white light, emanating from the sapphire throne of God, implied from the Bible verses that proceed. I saw a great bright throne and him who sat upon it and from his presence earth and sky fled away and what does it say next no place was found for them the earth is going to go away as we now know it the heavens as we know it will change and be removed no place was found for them now what does that mean as long as the earth remains the bible says day and night shall not cease But when you get rid of the old earth and the old heavens, you can change the kind of way time works. Day and night kind of time lasts no longer than the time the earth remains. So the only way to get rid of it is to remove the old age. God is not just destroying the old earth. He's destroying the old era, the old epic of evil. He is reconstituting time itself. You know, Einstein talked about the fabric of space-time. A new space-time era. In Christ. In Revelation 21, verse 1, John saw a new heavens and a new earth, and he saw the holy city coming down from God. We read that. Look at verse 4. God says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. And look at the reason given in the context. For the former things have done what? See, the earth, the heavens, and the old age of day and night are gone. Thus, the devil is gone. The era of suffering is gone because he only suffers as long as there's day and night kind of time. Heaven and earth fled away. Now, what about us who are children of light? Where will we go when the light defeats the night on the last day? The new Jerusalem is the wife of the Lamb, and she is bright. And we, his bride, will always be with the Lamb, our covenant husband, the land of eternal light. Revelation 21.33. Take your Bibles. Turn quickly there. The Bible says the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Lamp light is Lamb light in eternity. And by its light the nations shall walk, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. Look at verse 25. Its gates shall never be shut by day. And what does the text say? There shall be no night there. Day and night kind of time is over in the new order. The devil is gone because he only suffers in the fire while there's day and night kind of time. The fire that consumes is the dawn of a new day when light will win and death will end and evil will die for the last time. And time itself will be changed into a time when night is no more and the joy of the pure light of the day with God never ends. That's why death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire because there comes a day when death dies. A new heavens, a new earth, and a new day. That's how you explain Revelation 20 correctly without manipulating the ancient languages to get an outcome. Revelation 22, verse 1, Then He showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. I want to be there. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall no more be anything accursed. You see, the devil can't exist in a realm, in a universe like this, where there's no night. 
But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And servants shall worship Him. We can be there. We will be there. They shall see His face. And His name, which means His law, shall be written on their foreheads. And night shall be no more. Now, soak that verse in. Night shall be no more. And they need no light of lamp or sun. Why? For the Lord God will be their light. And they shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Like a never-ending river of life that keeps on moving through space-time with no end. These cosmologists who say the universe will come to an end are wrong. Because it will never end forever and ever and ever. In the new Jerusalem, the wife of the Lamb, we will live with the Lamb and His Father forever. God bless you. Dear Heavenly Father, we don't want to crawl to Mount Zion. We want to march there vigorously to seize the crown. And Lord, may everyone here who loves the day of Your appearing, Lord, may they be found in that holy city where Jesus died. And Father, I pray for everyone who does not love the Lord Jesus. May they learn to love Him. And may they know that heaven poured out everything at the cross so that love could win in the end. May they be found in that holy city with Him. Bless our children. Bless our families. Bless our church and our world church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your yourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reaching yourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.